You are listening to audio from First Baptist Church in Fort Walton Beach. If you would like more resources or to watch our service online, please visit fbcfwb.org. Listen in as Pastor Wade helps us abide in Christ and advance the gospel through the teaching and the proclamation of God's Word. Well, we are going to be uh, all over the New Testament this evening. I want to talk about um, anxiety and uh, how that relates to the Christian life. When I get to fill in, I just pick topics that are interesting. Um, I I think I've told some of you this. I've been, for the past year and a half, slowly uh, back in school trying to study uh, biblical counseling, something to help um, our church, also to help others. It's interesting to me. Um, I wanted to get a little bit more um, understanding of it from a pastoral and practical perspective. since Wade's schedule is pretty busy so if people come in with problems he can meet with them a time or two and by that point you know uh, his schedule just stays pretty full with people and so if there was something somebody needed uh, eight to ten weeks uh, of biblical counseling on um, when I'm done with the degree you know the, the idea is he can pass them on to me um, trying to get uh, whenever I get done with the degree I'll try to get certified with one of the uh, local Christian biblical counseling networks. Um, We're not going to start a center or anything here. It's just something we can offer as a service in the ministry of the word here. Um, So because of that, uh, I get to study some pretty cool stuff from a biblical perspective, and one of them is anxiety. Um, Now, we're going to start, and it's going to sound kind of clinical, and this is, you know, biblical counseling is not clinical psychology. It's completely different, Um, can overlap a little bit, but mainly we try to deal with with a believer's heart towards God and their interaction with the Bible. So we're going to start kind of talking about it in a clinical setting, but we're going to quickly talk about the teachings of Jesus and how to deal with it. from a biblical perspective. So first off, everyone in here knows what anxiety is. It's that rush you feel sometimes of, oh my goodness, is this really happening? Um, Fear, adrenaline. Uh, Some people when they have severe anxiety will feel like they're having a heart attack. Some people, their their lungs will actually constrict because of blood flow and uh, they'll get filled with terror. Some people have recurrent panic attacks, anxiety attacks. But uh, anxiety can actually be a positive and a negative. That's your, your first two blanks there. Um, anxiety is the part of the brain that gives you uh, energy to focus and work incessantly on an urgent issue. So that drive that uh, people feel, let's say you're in a ship and there's a leak and you've got to spend the next eight to 12 hours bailing out water plugging the leak and surviving, that energy, it's part of your brain's, you know, hardwired mechanisms for fighting crisis and conflict is you have this sudden surge of attention and energy that takes over everything. You don't get hungry, you don't get tired, and and that's just part of God's design for your brain. On the negative side, when you don't have an emergency and it's going, you can't shut down the thoughts 
they feel like a crisis. It may be a mild crisis, but you feel it uh, like an emergency whenever the ship isn't sinking. Maybe it's just wobbling a little bit. And so the same mental pathways that help you function in a crisis, if they are hijacked by wrong thinking, at times sin, or um, not taking care of yourself, those same mental pathways can cause you to kind of self-destruct and melt down with anxiety. So anxiety can have many underlying causes. Um, when you go in to see a biblical counselor, some of the first questions you'll get are about diet, sleep, and pharmaceuticals because uh, down at the bottom there you can see a list, but biochemical, dietary, and sleep, that is, that is all part of the equation. God has made us a fusion of both body and soul, and so if you throw the body out of balance, there will be some soulish results that happen where you may feel or experience things that um, aren't optimal, aren't good, such as anxiety, and it could just be a simple thing of don't drink coffee past 6 p.m. Um, I know that because there'll be nights I wake up from a nightmare, and I know it's because I just had a big cup of unsweet tea, you know, for dinner. Coffee is weird. Coffee doesn't do it to me, but unsweet tea will make me have red nightmares. Um, so sometimes you're just not getting enough sleep. Sometimes your body burns tension through exercise and activity and you watch too many movies that day. Um, there can be physical, dietary, chemical reasons for anxiety. There's also lack of faith. Sometimes anxiety can come from a lack of faith that God will do what he's promised. Um, I've talked with people before who deal with a really inordinate amount of fear that God has not saved them despite them asking him to again and again and again. We call that a lack of assurance. They know what the Bible teaches. They can spout it back to you. They know how to ask God to save them, but they're just not sure he did save them. That uh, struggle of faith or that misplaced uh, faith uh, leads them to have severe anxiety at times at the state of their soul. Sometimes that lack of faith is over our kids. We worry that something will happen to them when God has promised to act a certain way towards the children of believers. Sometimes it's sin. Sin itself can sever your link with God. Not, not savingly, God doesn't unsave you. But your uh, perception of God's love, your perception of his peace... Your communion with the Holy Spirit can be uh, quenched because of sin, and that can produce uh, anxiety, severe anxiety at times as we feel the presence of God withdrawn and we can't rely or rest on him like we used to in a trial. And then we have stressors. Stressors is like when the taxes are due and you've waited till April the 12th to do your taxes. Um, that's not a personal testimony, is it? Um, but that stressor that wakes you up at night and you go, I haven't done my taxes. I know I should have worked on this. Right, maybe they'll just push it back again or you can, file, you can always file an extension. But those stressors cause anxiety. 
things that we know we should do and don't. Sometimes if we don't work hard enough and then a, a bill comes due, we get a stressor from that. Um, so all this to say that anxiety comes from many different places. There's not one place anxiety comes from. You can talk to some people who, who do everything. It's all organized, and they still have anxiety. You have other people who, because of their disorganization, they have anxiety. You have some people who spiritually do not doubt their relationship with God. That's not a source of anxiety. But their body is sending out these signals of anxiety just because too much caffeine, uh, not enough exercise. And so it's really like a recipe. And anytime you counsel somebody through it, you try to figure out what's the recipe for this person's anxiety. So Jesus teaches on anxiety and worry quite a bit. Anxiety, worry, fretting, any other uh, synonyms you want to put in there. We find most of it in Matthew chapter 6. So if you've got your Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 6. And in Matthew chapter 6, uh, many of your Bibles have headings where it'll tell you the topic. Mine says, do not be anxious. So do not be anxious. Now in verse 25, he's going to start, and we're going to read through 34. He's going to start telling you why you shouldn't be anxious, and he's going to illustrate it. And like most of Jesus' teachings... The hard part is following it, not understanding it. It's so simple, it hits you over the head, but it's so tough to do. It's, it's like that feeling you get before you try to jump in cold water. You know, you, you want to, but you can't get yourself to jump in. So let's read it together and talk about it. Verse 25, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. A Christian counselor named Lou Priolo often says that anxiety is paying tomorrow's bills with today's dollars or today's time. And he, he goes back to this last line where it says, each day has sufficient trouble. 
So don't start paying for tomorrow today because you're going to run out. You, you have enough patience for the anxiety you face in a day, but when you start prepaying, you run out quickly. So let's, uh, let's just walk through this passage really quick. We talked about it. You can see that it begins and ends the same way. It's kind of like a sandwich where he says, do not be anxious, what you'll eat, drink your body. And then at the end again, he says, therefore, do not, in, in verse 31, therefore, do not be anxious, what you eat, drink, or wear. And in the middle of that is the reason why. So the sandwich, do not be anxious about these three things. And then in the end, do not be anxious about these three things. In between those two is where we find the reason. And he gives it to us very clearly. The reason you're not to be anxious is because, number one, God knows you need these things. And number two, God has already sufficiently provided lesser creatures with them. He, he talks about birds and he talks about lilies. And he, you know, bird, little thing, tweets. How long do they live? Not long. How complicated are they? Not very complex. But they've got everything they need. They, they've got enough to eat. Lilies, they grow today and they cook food tomorrow. But they've got enough to wear. So his whole application is God knows you need this stuff. Worry about the things that are more important and the things that are less important will be taken care of. Um, like I said, that's so easy when you hear it, you know what it means. It's all about how you apply it that's tough. Jumping in to the ice cold water. Um, there's a Christian author from Denmark back in the 1860s, 1870s, 1880s. His name was Soren Kierkegaard. Anybody in here ever read any Kierkegaard? Ted's hands up. Ted and I have talked about him before. All right. Kierkegaard is one of the uh, weirdest guys from uh, Christian history. Um, he was a loner. He, was, he would walk around the city of Copenhagen at night and just talk to random people. And he would write letters to the newspaper under a pen name. Then he would answer himself with a different pen name. And then sometimes a third and a fourth pen name would write in and start arguing with some of the other guys. And at the end, a guy would write in and sum it all up and say, you're all wrong, here's how it's right. <laughs> you know, imagine having that as a job. Uh, when people realized he was doing this, which just was kind of a common procedure to write in under a pen name so that no one would come and, I guess, egg your house in Denmark. But when they realized that he was multiple <laughs> characters in the whole argument, they went, wait a minute. And so then he would come out and say, well, you don't understand why I'm doing this. My, my point is, is so far down the rabbit trail, you won't follow me unless I get into an argument with myself. So a lot of his books are like reading somebody who argues with himself. But his whole point was he said that uh, Denmark had gotten so full of Christian language and Christian vocabulary, but they had forgotten their Bibles. They'd forgotten what it really meant to be Christians, and he was trying to remind them through these crazy articles in the newspaper and what he would often say is that the Bible is so easy to understand. 
if you just look at it and obey it. But he said what happens is you start to get clever. You start to get kind of sneaky with it and say, okay, the Bible says don't worry. Seek God's kingdom first. I understand it. But God, um, what about this? What about this? What about this? And he says, before too long, you've, you've put so many qualifications that you're no longer obeying the Bible. You're obeying your questions, your qualifications. And so a passage like this is really tough because we want to qualify it. We want to say stuff to it like, well, are you saying we should quit our job, Lord? Jesus never says quit your job because even the birds work for their food. But it's just that God feeds them. See, that's the, that's the difference here. We, unlike the birds, don't realize God does most of the feeding. We just do a lot of the getting. None of you make nature work. None of you make stuff grow. That's the genetic code in plants. God made all that. We use it. We find ways to tweak it and get better output. We find ways to make really good recipes with it. But God does all that. And so our life needs to be more of receiving what he's already done instead of worrying about reduplicating what he's already done. Birds don't do that. Lilies don't do that. Let's move on. Uh, Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10. There's going to be one more big teaching about anxiety here. The first one, remember, it's very simple. Seek what's important. Do what's important. Everything else will be taken care of. God cares for you. So Matthew 10, verse 40. I've put the wrong verse down. It's actually verse 26. Verse 26. Right chapter, wrong verse, so write down 26. So have no fear of them, for nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light, what you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny, and not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father? But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. In this passage, he's talking about persecution. Now, he goes to the ultimate expression of fear. All of us uh, at root fear death. Unless we've trained ourselves to ignore or work around that fear, that's usually the motivating fear for humans. And that's the root of anxiety. Somewhere in the back of your anxiety, it's linked to your finiteness, your mortality, um, the fact that danger can take you out. And so Jesus just deals with the root fear in anxiety. Now, like I said, this context is about persecution, but it applies to anything. Don't fear he who can only kill the body. Who would that be? 
Those who can kill the body in the sense are the Jewish religious leaders that would persecute those who follow Jesus. They would persecute the church. They would uh, crucify them, execute them. Roman authorities, don't fear those people. Instead, fear God who can destroy both body and soul in hell. So it's almost the same type of appeal as in the last passage. Focus on what matters. Your soul matters more than your body. And it's better for you to lose your body here. You'll get a better one. That's Paul in 1 Corinthians 15. It's, it's better for you to lose your body here than lose both your body and soul there. So don't fear. Look at the ultimate promise of God and don't fear. He cares for you more than many sparrows. So once again, to fight anxiety, to fight fear, you remember God cares for you. Just like he clothed the birds or clothed the lilies and fed the birds and not even one of those birds falls without his knowledge. He cares for you. You're considered, in his mind, precious. Don't fret everything else. Seek first kingdom of heaven. The rest will take care of itself. Now let's look at how Jesus uh, reacts to those who worry around him. Let's turn to the book of Mark. Turn to the book of Mark, chapter 4. Anxiety and worry at its root says, God doesn't care about me. God doesn't care about me, or God has forgotten me. That's what it's claiming usually. Jesus has told us twice, God does care about us. Now we're going to see this in action. Ready? Mark chapter 4, verse 35. On that day when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat just as he was. And other boats are with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? There's the root of anxiety. Jesus, you don't care about me. That's what the disciples believed. God, you don't care about us. The same thing we just saw in both those passages where Jesus says, do not worry because God cares for you. They're telling Jesus, hey, look, we're, we're about to go under. You don't care about us. Do you even care that we're drowning? And so look what he does. And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. He said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? Jesus reacts to the disciples' anxiety by asking them if their faith was still not formed. Their fear was that God did not care about them. Jesus demonstrated to them perfectly God cares about them. Let's uh, move down to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians 
chapter 4. What we're doing is drawing out general biblical strategies to fight against worry in our life, fight against anxiety, uncertainty. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4 through 7. Now, because it's Paul and not uh, Jesus, it's, it, we're going to approach it from a different uh, angle here. We're going to look at his teaching. I'm going to ask some questions about why he would say it that way. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say to you, rejoice. Let your reasonable, reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So think back to the boat. The disciples recognize the danger. They have a need. They have a need for buoyancy. <laughs> they have a need to not have to learn how to swim really quickly. They have a need to survive. They wake up Jesus, but first they accuse him of not caring. They could have woken him up and said, Lord, our faith is not as strong as yours. We're not as sure in the hands of God as you are. We're not sure that our mission and your mission is going to succeed. Please show us. But they didn't. They woke him up and said, you don't care that we're going to die. See, there's a difference between a request, God help us, and an accusation, God, you don't care for me. The disciples were doing that. You don't care, Lord. Paul is telling us when you have a need, there's a proper way to believe that God cares for you. You know what it is? Ask him to provide what you need. Ask him in faith to provide what you need. This is what this pastor says. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, so when you feel a need or you're not at peace or terror is on you, let your, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known. If you need something, ask God. That sounds like God cares for you, right? And that sounds like you expect him to fulfill his word and give you what you need, right? Right? It's different than the disciples who are just lobbing accusations. Jesus, you don't care for us. In verse 7, the result, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You'll experience the same peace that the sea and the disciples experienced, but just without the rebuke. Because they got a rebuke. You have little faith. You'll get the same peace without the rebuke. Now, this is interesting because Paul actually talks about his own anxiety at one point, and that's found in 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians, and it's in chapter 11, verse 28. 
Now, while you're turning there, I'll give you some context. He's talking about himself versus these false apostles. There were these false apostles going around, super apostles. They were having an easy life. People were paying for them to come around. They weren't working to support themselves. And Paul is kind of telling the Corinthians, I've done, like, I want you to listen to me because, number one, I'm your spiritual father and I care for you. But number two, I've suffered a lot. You know, he's not saying it to get brownie points with him. He's saying it because he's like, I want you to believe what I write to you. I want you to trust Jesus and listen to me. And, and I've shown you that it's important because I've suffered to bring you this message. So he's talking about all these things he did, like being stuck in the ocean and flogged, uh, stoned, adrift in the sea, in danger from robbers. And then in verse 28, he says, in a part... From other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. Who is weak and I'm not weak? Who is made to fall and I'm not indignant? So he is saying that he, because of his responsibility to the church, is beset by constant anxieties daily, worrying for them, much like you worry for your own kids or worry for loved ones going through struggles in life. But in verse 30, if I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. The God and Father of my Lord Jesus Christ, he who is blessed forever, knows I'm not lying. And he keeps going down about all this. I must go on boasting. His whole point here is not to sit here and say, woe is me. Woe is me. At the end of all this... Verse 19 of chapter 12. Have we been thinking all along that we have been defending ourselves to you? It is in the sight of God that we have been speaking in Christ. And all for your upbuilding, beloved. The reason Paul can handle these anxieties and these stresses is not because it's for a worthless cause, but it's for something worthwhile. And not all anxiety, as I said before, is bad. Some of them are misplaced from lack of faith, but some of them are from stressors that you can't remove. My kids give me anxiety. Sometimes I care for them. Other times the anxiety is different. I can't remove that anxiety from my life, though I need to be more obedient in how I experience it. And so sometimes anxiety is going to be there. How you deal with it, as Paul does here, shows whether it is from faith or whether you're carrying a burden you're not supposed to. And so, wrap it all up now. We've, just, we've gone, we've taken a, a big look at anxiety. We've looked at different scriptures talking about it. Let's pull some basic principles to live on from it. So, number one, how should a Christian fight the sinful tendencies of anxiety? Well, first, focus on faith, not feelings. Focus on faith, not feelings. If you feel scared like your boat's about to go under, what should you focus on? Focus on faith. Focus on God. Focus on what matters. There are times in life where even if your boat goes under, you need to go under with it. And if God has put you in that position, have the faith to stay. But most of the time, we whip up the water ourselves. We're the tempest in the teapot. And focusing on our faith and our trust in God 
Well, there may still be some waves, but we stop adding to it. Second, fight the lies of anxiety with the truths of Scripture. Remember, the lies of anxiety, fight them with the truths of Scripture. Remember, the disciples believed that Jesus did not care for them. Couldn't have been further from the truth. He was about to give his life for them, but they believed he didn't care for them. Their lies caused them great anxiety, and when Jesus spoke back to them peace, they were calm. So fight the lies of anxiety with the truths of Scripture. There will be times that you think your problems are bigger than God, and you will forget how big God is until you take a step back and fight that lie with the truth of Scripture. Third, do not ignore stressors that need to be dealt with. There's a very popular saying, let go and let God. You know, you can do that, but I wouldn't advise that driving. There are times that you need to work at stuff and take care of stuff because you will have a lot more anxiety letting go and letting God while you're driving than you will by keeping your hands on the wheel and being reasonable. If something in your life is causing great anxiety and stressful, whether it is from disobedience, obedience, or just from not working, from lack of discipline, from from anything, from opposition uh, of things that you shouldn't be doing, get rid of it. If sin is causing anxiety, repent, get help, and get rid of it. There's nothing, some people will hold on to a problem that they know they shouldn't because they feel heroic to suffer through it. And that's not godly because you're not the suffering servant from Isaiah 53. You are not the Messiah. There are times that love is tough and and dealing with people hurts, but sometimes we are doing this to ourselves when God would not have us do that. You need to get rid of those stressors. So do not ignore stressors that need to be dealt with. Fourth, rely on God, but lock your doors. Sometimes our fear and our anxiety is because we're not careful. Lock your door at night. You will sleep better. If you try to sleep restfully with an unlocked door and every little noise from your yard makes you wake up, I know it's a silly analogy, you're not being faithful. You're being foolish. Lock your doors, sleep tight. That's part of the way God designed your brain to work. And then when we talk about stresses, remove the stresses under your control, comma, except the ones that can't be moved. There are certain things in life that God has given us uh, valleys to walk through. He He gave Paul a thorn in the flesh. He gives us sufferings at times to prove that we are children of God. That's why the book of James says to count it joy when we face various types of trials. We just have to accept some sufferings in life. There's the old serenity prayer, Lord, grant me the serenity to um, someone finish it for me because now I'm drawing a blank. I knew it until I started saying it. Yep. Lord, grant me the serenity to uh, change... Except the things, yeah, yeah, that one. We'll let y'all finish it, okay? But you got, the, you got the prayer, right? There are some things you can change, and there are some things you just can't. Grant me the wisdom 
to know, yeah, the difference between, between the things I can change and the serenity of set the things I can't. I, I knew it till I got in front of y'all. Um, there will be a test later, right? You know, it's, my mom had that on her wall, and then she had the footprints poem on the wall. Remember that one? It's like the line. Uh, my friend and I would always joke that if that was created by us, there would be a big line in the sand of two heels being drugged by the Lord where he's just like, I'm taking you with me one way or the other, and uh, drug us along the beach. Last and not least, and the thing to uh, end this with, Cast all your cares on the Lord. And why is that? For he cares for you. When, um, when we talk about uh, anxiety and action plans, you know, how to deal with them, First Peter 5, 7 always comes up where... It talks about casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. What people often don't deal with is that that actual passage is talking about conflict in the church. Um, some people submitting to other people, leadership, um, relationships, and that can cause anxiety because you worry that someone is not going to take as good as, uh, of care as you as you can take care of yourself. You know, that's, that's always the fear. And so the, the verse to cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you, um, it's not just hanging out there. When, when we get in community with other Christians, when we deal with them, when, when we have our feelings hurt sometimes or our toes stepped on, um, that breaking of relationships, that, that tension... Uh, it oftentimes makes every other anxiety in our life worse. It oftentimes makes, uh, you know, we come to church for worship and then we're just all knotted up and can't. And so sometimes your anxieties and your stress is because you're out of fellowship with other people around you. Um, it's not just always between you and God. Sometimes it's between you and somebody else. And so always remember um, part of dealing with anxiety, part of this casting your anxieties on the Lord is just accepting and being at peace with the relationships around you and your family and the church uh, with others. Well, I will uh, close us in prayer and thank you for your time. Like I said, I just kind of pick something uh, when I have to teach it here that I think is interesting. And uh, I'm always trying to find uh, things that are helpful. This has helped me immensely, and I, I will close a little testimony before we pray. Um, I was uh, quite a worrier when I was younger. Uh, my wife will say I still worry a lot. Um, we, we both take turns seeing who's a better hypochondriac at times. I think I'm not as bad as her, but if you ask her, she'll, she'll you know, tell the opposite. Uh, part of what has helped me the most get over just little, little you know, uh, worries and anxieties is is the old question what's the worst it can do to you you know Jesus deals with that back in Matthew 10 what's the worst that that can do to you that fear that that thing well it can kill your body right you know the ultimate answer to that is big deal 
even if that worry you have uh, slays you. What you have waiting you is, is better than anything you can imagine. Um, and in fact, even if that worrisome thing out there kills the body, it doesn't kill your soul. And one day the Lord will lift you up with a new body, one that cannot be defeated by sin, death, corruption. And so at the end of the day, we do what we can. We love others. We protect others. We take care of ourselves. But if in serving the Lord, the worst were to happen, it ain't that bad. So that has helped me cast more of my puny, small anxieties on the Lord is realizing that even if the worst thing were to happen, God's faithful. Um, that's often the struggle for us to hold on to every day, but it's truer and truer and truer. So let's pray. Lord, thank you for this evening. Um, we, we ask that you would help us to trust you in anxiety. We, we know that just by the nature of life, we're going to worry about something in the next 24 hours. Something's going to rattle our faith or, or shake us up a bit. And so we pray that we react in faith to it. Um, we pray that we'll count it a joy when it's a trial we can't avoid. But when it is something we need to leave and, and leave in your hands, we will. That we'll have the wisdom to distinguish between the two. Help us to remember the words of your son where he told us that you care for us much more than many sparrows. And so we take that at, at face value. We have faith in it. And we know that if we're that precious to you that you sent your son and, and let him die for us, that you will also give us all of the things we need in Christ. And we thank you for that and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. We pray you've been encouraged and inspired by God's word. May the Lord richly bless you.